He lives within my heart. Are you glad of that today? The Holy Spirit. Find your place, please. 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter number 4. For those of you who forgot that this week was Valentine's Day, today is a wonderful day to get a really deep discount. If you're looking for a box of chocolates uh, in a heart-shaped box, you can get them. Go get them for next year. You cheap person. I, uh, I was getting ready for Valentine's Day. And uh, I took my wife to a wonderful restaurant called Don's Place. And I, I made for her her favorite steak and sea scallop and potatoes. And I didn't bake dessert. I told you I'm not a baker, but I did go get her a dessert, a Texas eclair. It's about that big. And uh, so that was, that was part of what we did for Valentine's Day. But I went to get her some flowers. You're supposed to go all there you go. I walked in. The lady said, can I help you? I said, yes, I'm here like every other man in Mechanicsville in the same building at the same moment. She said, well, we don't have a great selection left. She said, but let me show you this one over here. We have a beautiful uh, flower arrangement. And she took me over in this flower arrangement. No lie. It was about that wide. It was about that deep. And it was beautiful. And I said, oh, wow, Sonia would love that. And I said, uh, that's wonderful. That would be perfect. How much is that? No, 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 wrong. I had to tell you to respond while I go. She said, it's $284. And I said, that's out of the question. And she said, are you saying you don't love your wife that much? I said, I love my wife, and I don't like a pushy salesman. And, and she backed up. She really didn't say that, but I, she did say $284. And evidently, the expression on my face must have been funny because she started laughing. And she said, I get that from most everyone who I show this, but... The boss tells me, I have to try to push this. And I said, I understand. She said, we sold the one last year. And I said, boy, whoever bought that must have been really bad the whole year long. Trying to make that kind of ends meet. Here's the funny part. I had to go back by there yesterday. And the same, it's the same one. They didn't make a new one, but the same one was marked half price yesterday. Somebody's going to eat a lot of fresh flowers off of that one. It's not that I don't love my wife worth $284, but uh, you would have had the same response. But I did walk out with flowers. And I probably did pay more for them than I would have the week before. And I know I paid more for them than I would next week because she's not here this morning. She's babysitting one of the sick grandkids because usually I buy them at the truck on the corner. Don't tell her that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. I just stood here and thought, well, you know, you say honestly sometimes from the platform. So I said, no, I do buy them from the truck on the corner sometimes. Love will make you do things that you typically wouldn't do. 
We have some folks I want you to pray for in our church. We, we have some folks in our church who are caregivers. And we pray, we pray for the patient. We pray for the person that is sick. And I know, I know right now, and I, I know I miss some folks, but Peggy is caring for Roger, Michelle caring for her mother. And there are others who are caring for someone who, at this point of life, you can. And it's amazing what you can do to give someone care when you love them. When there's not love, there's not a lot of care. There are some people who are being cared for in homes today by people who love them, who if it was not for love, they would be, they would be in nursing homes and care centers. Sonia and I were at a home two weeks ago. We met a young lady who, uh, as we witnessed to them, invited them to church. I know Landmark Baptist Church. I went there and she told us the year when she said her last name. I knew her last name. And I said, you are the niece of, and I quoted off her uncle's name. And she said, yes, how did you remember? And I said, I vaguely remember you, but I remember your uncle. And so many times visiting him in a care center. And some folks, you know, you know, society knows the best of them is not great. There's something that differs at home when you're being cared for by those that love you versus those in a care center where they're getting a paycheck at the end of the week. The care is different. What motivates a different care? Love. I want us to, it's sort of a two-part thing today. From 1 John chapter 4, I want us to read about love. We'll make some comments about world love. And then we're going to John chapter 3 and ask a question. Stand if you would, if you're able to this morning. Let's read some text verses in John, 1 John chapter number 4. Let's begin in verse number 7 and standing we'll read through verse 17. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifest, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and is in him, and he in him in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath told us. God is love. It doesn't say that God loves. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are 
in this world. Let's pray together. Father, help us as we, for an appointed time, look at the love of God, the love of Christ, the love of Christ that constrains us, indwells us, and empowers us. Help us to understand what it is. Lord, use me this morning to direct the minds and the hearts of your people to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, if you would, please. Let's continue reading as we are seated. Verse number 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If I say I love God, and uh, if a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Love, the last few weeks, has been a very popular thought in the world as commercials and everything have set up to, to this Valentine's Day. But if you stop to think, the world really revolves on the thought of love. If we were to take either spiritual music and hymns, or we take entertaining music, secular music, much of music today is written with the theme of love. Songs, books are written, love stories, and films. Some of you may be Hallmark people. My wife and I have, if we ever separate, it'll be over Hallmark. She calls it when calls the heart, and I call it when love goes south. If, if it weren't for love, Hallmark wouldn't exist, and you know, especially ladies, you know what I'm talking about. My thought is, if you've seen a Hallmark movie, you've seen all Hallmark movies. I walk into the room, and my wife has a Hallmark one, and my first question is this, who died? She said, what do you mean? I said, it's a Hallmark. Somebody died, and somebody loved them. Films are made. What the world has forgotten, though, is that love is truly a Christian idea. It's a Christ idea. It is found only in the fullness of Christ. Love originated in God. We just read those verses. It originated in the mind of God, the heart of God, the character of God. I think God is the epitome not of love as a verb, though his love became a verb. It, it's, not a, it's not an action. The Bible told us in our text this morning, God is love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. And because of who he is, he does what he does. Now what the world calls love is extremely different. The world has two words mixed up, love and lust. The world today, I would say to you, is not in love. The world is in lust. What is love? I think verse 7 and 8 
of our text tells us. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. That's where it originates. In verse number 8, the last phrase, God is love. Webster simply puts, this, puts it as this uh, in a regard to a definition of love, a passionate affection to another person. God is not of this world, and so Webster's definition doesn't follow through. I read a story a couple months ago in a book about a fellow that went to the opera, sat in the third balcony up, was looking at the opera through his little binoculars to be able to see. A lady stepped out and she sang that opera, and he supposedly fell in love. He said, that's the most beautiful voice in all the world. I could live with that voice all of my life. And so night after night, he bought tickets to the opera. And he would look at her through the binoculars. Well, a long story, a tad shorter, he met her. And after a very quick romance, they married. And he had failed to see that she was a little older than he was. And that she walked with a limp and somebody remarked to him about it. And he said but I could live with that voice forever. And so they got married and they went for their honeymoon and she took off her wig and laid it on the counter and took out her eye and put it in the little container and poured a cup of water and put her teeth in it. She took her false eyelashes off and laid them on the sink. She unbuckled her leg and leaned it against the door. And he was heard to say, sing, darling, sing, sing, darling, sing. What he thought and what the world thinks is love really is not love. Young people, the world that pictures love today between man and woman and between us as human beings, they're not teaching us what love is because they've lost the origin. Love originated with God. The Modern English language has one word for love. The Bible actually has four terms for love. One is storge, and that is an example of a love between family members. Yesterday at the ball game, uh, the kids, all the grandkids were there and sort of circled around us. And I was sitting there, and Boston came over, and he wanted to climb up on my knee, and he climbed up on my knee, and he laid back a little bit. I could tell he was a little bit tired. And amidst all that was going on in the ball game, I whispered in his ear. I said, Boston, does Papa love you? And he said, yes. And I said, how much does Papa love you? And he said, with all that was all he said, with all. Remy's getting a little bit more mature, and he's heard me tell each of them, I love you with all my heart. He asked me the other day, how do you do that? There's a, there's a certain love that you have for your children. There's a certain love that you have for your grandchildren. There's a love that you have for your family, and the Bible talks about that. There's phileo love. Got choked up at the end of the game yesterday. Uh, a man who I have so admired for 42 years. First time I met him, I stepped onto the basketball court with a basketball uniform on. And we stepped out to play tabernacle. And there was Coach Cook. He has been, in my eyes, the epitome and the model 
of a wonderful Christian man and Christian coach. I have seen him work in the lives of young people and God used him in tremendous ways. And he coached his last game yesterday against us. I was praying for the tournament. I said, oh, I just hope that we win and we play the championship because they had lost before they played us and they were playing consolation. I said, if we win and we play the championship, we don't have to play them the last game because I was really wanting to see him go out with a win. Then we ended up having to play them yesterday and that feeling changed. I went over to talk to him after the game and hug him after the game. I couldn't help but get choked up. I said, Coach, I never played for you, but I've watched you. And in the years that I've been here, I've watched you. And I've seen you handle men. I've seen you handle these kids. And I want you to know, as far as I'm concerned, you're one of my heroes from a distance. And he hugged me back and he whispered in my ear and he said, Donnie, I'm not the hero. He said, in my eyes, you guys are the heroes. You guys who are preaching and you guys who are missionaries and you guys who we've seen their lives changed and touched. You know, we don't live next door to each other. We see each other four times a year. But there's a love there that I can't explain outside of phileo love. A love for my family that I can't explain. And, then, and also in the Bible, there's a eros love. It's not spoken of in the New Testament. We would call that the erotic love, or we would call that the love between husband and wife. And, and let me state this. One man, one woman, one lifetime. That's it. It's not two women, it's not two men, and I'm sick and tired of it being thrown in my face. I've seen commercials this week depicting a home, two men and two children. I'll never buy insurance from the company. We've seen it it's everywhere you look, and I'm telling you, the world has no idea what love is because it's lost the origin of it. But the Bible talks about Eros love. Listen, within me there is a love for my wife that no one else on this earth can have. There is a family love. There's brotherly love. There's the love of the man. And then there is the agape love. That's the unconditional love of God. How in the name of heaven did God love us? In, in other words, looking at these forms of love, arrows, and that's the one that the world has fallen in lust with. That's a, I take it all. Filio is a give and take love. Agape is a, I give all love. A word for love that John uses in the book of 1 John when he says God is love. He's saying God is love. Agape love. He is a giving love. This is a supernatural love. Now, would you turn to John chapter 3, if you would, please? And I want to ask you this question, and this will be sort of the premise of the rest of our time today. What if, what if 
God were not love. What if 1 John chapter 4 were not in our Bible today? Now, John chapter 3 is a very theological, deep, full, and expansive passage of Scripture. We know where we're going. You already have an imagination that we're going to land in verse 16. You are so smart. But I want us to, a lot of times we don't paint the scene that brings us to verse 16. The beginning of John chapter 3 proves out verse 16. Notice if you would chapter 3 verse 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And then it tells us about him. He's the ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He understood who Jesus was. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb? He be born. Verse number five. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. Nicodemus in verse number nine says, how can these things be? How can this come to pass? Verse 13, no man that hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's verse 15. Now verse 16, which we probably could all quote from heart. For God so loved the world. We could park right there and stay all day. For God so loved the world. What are we talking about? The creation, the planet, the firmament, all of these things. Yes, there's a love for that. But let me tell you this. God's going to destroy all of that. And I, and I don't want to park here long, but just suffice to say, all of that is just material to God. That supplemental things, yes, there's a concern because he's the creator, but when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he loves the souls of man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's that agape love. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it doesn't end there. We finish memorizing there. Verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. And man says, well, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? My answer is this. God will never send anyone to hell. But wait a minute, preacher. The Bible says that God will say, depart from me, you worker for the iniquity. I never knew you. I know that. God doesn't send people to hell. Man chooses to go to hell. 
For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Now we're walking on very familiar ground. What is the setting of the verse? Spoken to a good man, a religious man. Nevertheless, he was a lost man. And you can be religious and be lost. We read verse 1 through 3. We see the religion of Nicodemus. A Pharisee. Pharisees, by their existence, they gave alms to the poor. Pharisees, just by being a Pharisee, had been taught the Old Testament scriptures. They knew them backwards and forwards, could defend them. Pharisees avoided uh, evil and evil activities and evil people. And Jesus looked straight into the eye of Nicodemus. And he's basically saying all of your good works and all of your religious deeds and all of your good intentions and all of your sincerity are not acceptable. You must be born again. Now here's the question posed. What if John chapter 3 and verse 16 were not true? And I'll give you just three things with this. What if God had not loved the world? Look, if you would, for God so loved the world. Without God's love, there would be no hope in all of the world. This would be a dark planet hurling through space with no hope. I want to tell you truthfully, if, if John 3.16 didn't exist, if it weren't true, I, I would have no reason for existence. I, I would have no purpose for life. For me to bow my head and pray would be useless. Death would be the end of personal hope. Many years ago, I received a phone call from Henrico County Police and asking if I would come to the scene of a suicide. I knew both the person and their family. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And the mother was out of control. When I arrived and began to talk with the mother, I said, what happened? And she said he had cardiac arrest. I must have looked puzzled because I had been told the truth already. And for the next three days, I watched and I could not figure out why I was told both the truth and an error, a lie, 
I knew very clearly what had happened. The mother had been told that anybody who commits suicide will go to hell. And she refused to admit truth. Because if she did, there was no hope. Now, let me say this. Nowhere in God's word do you find that it says, if you take your life, you go to hell. It's not there. But she knew in her belief that she would lose hope. I have stood before quite a few now. Funerals and gravesides of people who had no testimony of Christ. And there's nothing like the sorrow of a family with no hope. There's nothing as real that will cut through you like the sound of a mother's weeping for a lost child. Truth is that those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior have no hope. So just think for a moment that if God did not love the world, what it would be. But praise God, He did. He did love the world. God does love the world. He does love humanity. And the greatest demonstration ever recorded of a gift of love was the love that Jesus gave in the violence of the crucifixion on the cross of Calvary. What if God had not given his son? What if God hadn't loved the world? What if God had not given his son? For God so loved the world, second, that he gave his only begotten son. What if instead of God giving his son, he gave us what we deserve? I, if you're honest with yourself here this morning, if God gave us what we deserved, none of us would be in heaven. Every one of us would be sent to hell. You see, if God so loved the world, but hadn't given his son for the world, we would never be able to know and experience what love is. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The world loved self, and the world loves sin. That's the two things the world has fallen in love with. God loves the souls of man. God's love would be frustrated. There are those in this room this morning, there are many of us here, who we have a love for someone and we know what they need and we can provide what they need, but they refuse what they need. And it frustrates us to know, to know beyond any measure that we know what they need and what they need is available, but they won't accept what they need. 
You see, love always demands giving. A man marries, and he gives himself for his wife and children. Why does he get up and go to work and provide for his family? Because his love demands that he do that. He wants to provide a place to live, the essentials of life, the necessities of life, and on top of that, the desires of life. And he also wants to see them have joy. And so he does those things. And he spends time with his wife and children because there's a multitude of other distractions. Why does a woman marry and give herself to her family? Why does she spend so much time washing clothes and picking up and making sure the socks match and picking up the underwear off the floor and making the same beds daily? Because within her heart beats love for her husband and for her children. Why is it that a mother, why is it that Jeff and Heather tomorrow, their daughter's not going to know that they're there? Once they have her in the operating room, why not go out to eat? Why don't they just both return to work? Why doesn't Heather go back to the school as a teacher and Jeff goes about his work? Why not? Something will have them all day tomorrow sitting in an uncomfortable, crowded waiting room in an unfamiliar place for six hours of surgeries and multiple hours in recovery and standing beside her bed as tears flow down her cheeks because every time she moves her toe, her body hurts. What causes a mother to stand by the bed like that? Her love. God showed his love by giving. Now, we thank the Lord for that. Praise God that God didn't just send his son to die. But he sent him for the purpose of our redemption. The hedonists who say the chief end of life is pleasure would be right if God had not sent his son. Number three, what if God's offer of salvation were not for whosoever? Now stay with me for a few moments. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Let me tell you this. That's a wonderful word. Don't let anybody convince you to take that word out of your Bible. That whosoever. What a, what a wonderful word. What a comforting word. It, it's a general word, but it's a very particular word. It's a word that embraces all humanity. I watched this week. I had seen it before, but I wanted to hear it again. I went home one evening this week, and I, I Googled it back again and brought it up on YouTube. A across-the-desk interview between... I believe it was Chuck Swindoll and Ted Bundy. Now, the adults in here will know who he is. Younger generation, suffice to say this morning that he was a mass murderer. He was one of the most vile criminals 
of an American generation of evil. I won't even tell you from the pulpit what all he did. And the preacher sat across from him, listen, here's what the preacher said while he was in prison. I reached out to him knowing that when he died, he'd spend eternity in hell. But he said, one day God told me that the same love he loved me with, he loved him with. And they began to write back and forth. And then he began to make arrangements for visits and interviews. And before his death, months before his death, he came to know Christ as personal Savior. I've said it before. It's a good thing I'm not God. Let me tell you this. I don't love Ted Bundy. One didn't know him. Two, I despise everything that I've heard of him. If I were God, I'd send him to hell. Good thing I'm not God. There's a far difference in me and in God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what a work but you don't know my sin you don't know my savior God knows your sin he knew it thousands of years ago he knew it before the foundation of the world. And understand this. Every sin that everyone in this room has ever committed lie on the shoulders of Jesus Christ on the cross. And every vile person I heard last night of another mass shooting in Illinois. I don't know how to love people like that. But I'm glad God does. And he said, whosoever. God doesn't save us after we get rid of our sin. God doesn't tell us, you change yourself and then you come to me. You get rid of all of that, then you come see me and then I'll love you, then I'll forgive you. So nobody can say to me, preacher, you just don't know what my life has been. You don't know what my sin has been. No, you just don't understand what the love of God is. Now, I want you to suppose for the next five minutes this morning. One, here's what I want you to suppose. I want you to suppose that he offered salvation to the rich. How many of you are going to heaven today? Now, in, in light of this, think of all that heaven has and holds for us. What value would heaven be to you? What value? Eternal life. Remember what the good things that are in heaven? Gates of pearl, streets of gold. We could go through all the foundations and all the... What, what, a, what a wonderful place. River of life. Trees that don't look like our trees do today. A puny cherry tree in my backyard. All gnarled up. Not a leaf on it. 
In heaven, the trees have their fruit year round. Oh, I want to go because of that. What's that worth to you? I have figured this out, and I've used it at multiple funerals. I'm as excited today about what's not in heaven as what is in heaven. Because the Bible says God's going to do away with this heaven and this earth. And then what we have, there's not going to be any more pain nor sorrow. I'll not gather one more time with another family at a cemetery. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more broken heart. Let me ask you this. How much is that worth to you? What if, what if he only died for the rich? What if? Let's say, let's say, well, that would be worth $13 million to me. Write the check. But God says, oh, listen, I really want you to come, so I'm only going to ask for 10%. 1.3 million. I don't see anybody reaching for the checkbook yet. But what if that's my message this morning? This morning, if you're here and you can pay $1.3 million and you'll go to heaven, I'm getting discouraged. But God said, you, you remember how, how Abraham talked with God about Sodom and Gomorrah? And he said, well, you know, and there was the reverse auction. How about 10? Well, God, I don't have 10%. How? 1%. Just over $100,000. How many of you could do it? What if it was just to the rich? Most of us in this room this morning, we would be left out. What if it's for the rich? What, suppose, if you would, if God offered salvation only to the healthy and fit. All those healthy and fit, you line up over here. The rest of us are over here. How many of us are going? You go to heaven if you don't have to take pills every day. I had somebody tell me this week, I, I was trying to remember who it was. Somebody told me, I wouldn't tell you who it was, but I was just trying to remember who it was. Somebody told me to take 26 pills a day. Bad grammar, good example. They ain't going. I know how many I take a day. I ain't going. What if God said to the rich? What if God said, it's, it, it's the healthy, it's the fit? Well, suppose that God offered salvation only to the educated. Education is a good thing, but it's not the only thing. Nicodemus was an educated person. Saul, who became Paul, was an educated person. What if God said it, it, it had to be by education? How many of you graduated summa cum laude? How many of you graduated lordy how come? If, if we were to line people up, okay, if you're educated, you come over here. If you're not that great education, you come over here. How many of us would go today if it was educated? How many of us would go today if he had said, okay, the healthy and fit? How many of us would go today if he said, okay, it's the rich? Now, what if salvation was offered 
only to good and righteous and pious people. That's me, preacher. Let's understand what the Bible said. There is none righteous, no, not one. Can you see this? The line's getting shorter. What does the Bible say? Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few there be that find it. So suppose, what if God had said these things? But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think one of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible is whosoever. You pick your greatest word, your favorite word, whosoever. I'm going to heaven today, but I'm not going because I'm educated. And I'm not going because I'm rich. And I'm not going because I'm healthy and fit. And I'm not going because I'm righteous. I'm going because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's me, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What if? What if John 3, 16 were not there? Man would remain condemned without hope, sentenced to death in a place prepared and created for the devil and all of his angels. But John 3.16 is there, amen? John 3.16 is there, praise the Lord. And God commended his love to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ went to the cross with our sins and experienced his father's love turned from him as he bore every sin of every man. It's the rejection of Jesus. It's the decision of man to reject Jesus. That sends a man to hell. It is not God who is love. Today, God doesn't just love. Yes, God is love in action, but his action comes from who he is. And our text today says this God is love. And because he loves, this is what changes lives and changes the world. So loved the world, he gave his only son, whosoever believeth. Praise the Lord today. We can celebrate the love of God. Would you bow with me in prayer to this morning? How precious to know that salvation is for whosoever. This morning, if you're here...